It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hey everyone and welcome to Doing Good. I am your host, Carmen Herbert, and I am so excited to have on the podcast today, Mitch Matthews. So Mitch is from Beaverton, Oregon. He served a mission in Orlando, Florida. You may recognize his name because he played for BYU for a few years and in the NFL football. Married his dream girl in 2017. He just had a baby three and a half months ago. And he says, I'm a husband, dad, entrepreneur, and live life to redefine hard. And I want to talk about that. Mitch, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great. I'm, uh, I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad you're here too because we had some technical difficulties getting started. Yes, and we did. So I'm like, maybe we'll have to like text our answers to each other or something. <laughs> that wouldn't have been nearly as fun. That would be the most efficient way, probably. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have been as fun. Okay, so you said you want to redefine hard. So you played football basically your whole life, right? Like mm-hmm. junior high or mostly high school, college? Oh, second grade till second grade. three years ago, yeah. Okay, so that was your whole life, football, football, football. 100%. Um, 100%. So I'm sure that a lot of your perspectives and life lessons came from working hard, being in, being on a team, um, going for your goals, having the knocks being hit down and, and, and not started and then starting. And is that kind of where your whole mindset started of redefining hard? Yeah. Yes and no for the redefine hard portion of it. But I've always taken the underdog mentality just because when growing up, I, in a lot of ways I was, um, I, I matured pretty late and I, I wasn't actually, I was actually an underdog and, and I've just kept that mindset throughout my whole entire life. Even the times I wasn't an underdog, meaning I was a starter. I was, you know, the featured player. I was getting the ball thrown to me the most in college. I just took that same underdog mentality, which I just think is a, is a sharp way to live when, when you're always, when you always think you can you can do more and accomplish more, even when you have arrived, so to speak. Right. If you have an underdog mentality, there's just a lot of fight in you, you know? So so how do you think about an underdog in a positive way and not, oh, I haven't quite made it. Oh, people aren't paying attention to me. Oh, I'm I, who knows if I'll ever achieve, you know, what I think I can achieve. How do you turn that to, oh, you haven't seen anything yet? Like this is actually a positive thing. Yeah, that's a great question because I really believe it just comes down to self-talk. Like, it's okay while you're at the bottom uh, of the depth charts or you're last in class or you're not the funniest or whatever. Whatever you want to accomplish, it's okay to tell yourself that you are that person well before you actually become that person. Okay. So I've always told myself that I'm going to be great at whatever I choose to do. So I'm going to be a, a great entrepreneur. I've told myself that even before I, I ever become one or will become one. Uh, I told myself I was a great football player and a great wide receiver years and years and years before I ever became one. I, I told myself for years I was going to make it to the NFL well before I was actually there. So it's totally okay to have the confidence of somebody who has already made it, but the work ethic of someone who's not even close to making it. I love that. Okay. And speaking about work ethic, you talk about that and you, you did a recent post on Instagram and you talked about 1% goals and and being in the 1%. And you said, if you want to accomplish crazy things, 
you have to have 1% goals, meaning you have to work like nobody else is, believe like nobody else does, and drive hard, 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 and keep believing. So how do you do that? How do you do that when you're like, I'm, people aren't paying attention to me right now, but I'm going to work as if I'm already at the top. Yeah. How did you get that work ethic? Did Have you always had it? Or did uh, that come? That, that comes, but I think you have to be in the right ecosystem for it to come, right? Like okay. I, you told me to go work super, super hard in uh, esthetician school. I would be the laziest dude you've ever met, right? I, I, I wouldn't work hard on that because I have no joy. You know, I don't love that. I don't enjoy right. that. I would be super lazy. And like, let's be honest, I, the, the podcast is called Doing Good. I, I was very lazy in school to a certain extent, right? I love education. I love learning more than the next person. Um, but school for me, when I was put in, in an exercise science major, you couldn't have carried me to class, right? That was just too, because it wasn't for me. Yeah. But if you take me on the football field in entrepreneurship and in leadership and in redefining hard, which we'll get into, I'm the hardest work I've ever met. So it's got to align with what you want to do. Makes okay. sense. So going back to that, that post that I made here is in my opinion, this is how it's worked for me. I'm not saying this is an absolute, but this is how it's worked for me. If you want to be a one percenter, which a lot of people crave, they see themselves as middle of the pack or back of the pack or back of the class type people. Um, and they want to be, in the 1% and how I've been able to do that in a lot of areas of my life, fortunately, is I'll take a crazy goal or a pretty crazy accomplishment, something that only 1% of the population has ever done, or in my opinion, ever could do. So the NFL is a 1% type category. Oh yeah. Yep. Doing, doing Ironman is a 1% type category. Right. Starting a business and succeeding even, you know, four years in is a, is a 1% type category. So whatever, whatever field or sector you're in, find a 1% accomplishment and then take it, set it about six months from right now. And what that does is if you want to enter that 1% club, we'll call it that 1% lifestyle, it's going to be hard to get there. So if you put it six months away, almost like a roadblock, like it's, it's, it's there, it's not moving anywhere. Well, then you have to reverse engineer your life for the next six months to be able to live like you're a one percenter. That's where the hard work comes in. If you want to accomplish that goal, reverse engineer it back to today. You have six months to get ready for that accomplishment. So I'll train for this Ironman for about five months before I do it. When I, when I left football and jumped into the world of entrepreneurship and in sales, I wanted to hit a 1% goal and break records in the industry that I'm in. So I had to reverse engineer my training and planning. And I read 40 books in 40 straight weeks to cram my brain with sales and business knowledge to be able to go and break records in, in the industry that I'm in. So I put a big roadblock, a 1% roadblock in my way and say that that roadblock is going to either smack me in the face or I'm going to jump over it gracefully. Yeah. But it's six months of preparation before that, that allows it to happen. So 1% goal will mean 1% habits. And then you just almost become a hard worker because you're, it's aligned with what you want to do. Have you achieved those 1% goals that you set for yourself? Uh, failed miserably in some and then accomplished other ones. Yes. For sure. But what did you, but I'm sure you would say that even if you failed miserably, the lessons that you learned and the work ethic that became a part of your daily life and habits was worth it. Even if you didn't achieve that 1% that you were working towards. Yeah. You don't really ever lose. You just learn. You know? Yeah, I know. And I love that. I've heard that quote recently. Like you either, 
you either win or you learn. It's not win or lose. You win or learn. And I love that mindset of, of winning or learning or yeah, of winning or learning. So it's not like, oh, I didn't, because sometimes the mentality is I didn't accomplish it. So I'm going to give up because I, I'm, I'm a loser. Like I didn't do it. I didn't do what I wanted to do. Um, but you seem to have had this like really positive attitude on, yeah, even if it doesn't work out the way that you wanted to, which let's be honest, life rarely does for any of us work out exactly the way we want it to. We're constantly switching lanes and changing gears and adapting our life to our circumstances. So to have that positive attitude of, okay, but what's next and how else can I be successful is awesome. And I think that's what makes you so motivating and, and for people to follow you and, and get excited about your posts and, and, and your encouragement and stuff. So I want to talk about life growing up, playing football. What got you interested in the first place playing football? Uh, I think it fit my personality. Tell me about your personality. Football is very just go, go, go all the time. Um, it allowed me just to like release all of my energy and like, you know, put all my personality behind it where baseball, which was probably the sport I was naturally the most gifted in. It didn't fit my personality. It was a little bit too slow and you had to wait for your, yeah. that. you had to wait for when the ball came to you and I, it didn't fit my personality as much. Well, football was like, okay, I'm going to step on the field. And I have, I'm, I'm a little bit grumpy. I'm a little bit angry. I'm a little bit sour today, but I can go unleash that on somebody else. Right. Yes. Which it just fit my personality. And I fell in love, um, even more with football, you know, playing with my brother growing up, he got a scholarship to BYU. Um, and that, that, that's when I fell in love with BYU. I was a big Oregon duck fan growing up because we're from Oregon. Once he came to BYU, I got a scholarship to BYU and we, we actually played together for one year, which is really oh, cool. Oh, that's so cool. So my love for football has been uh, a long time coming and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I chased my love instead of necessarily what I was even good at. Like I was probably better at baseball, but I, I didn't love it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. There's a big difference. So with football, I was willing to put up with those hard, hard, we call them dog days, those two days, the training camps, the fall camps. Those are, those are called dog days for a reason because you have to absolutely love what you're doing or else you'll just you'll, you'll quit you'll fail you just you'll, you'll quit. so that's why i fell in love was, was, was growing up so would you say that you were like a hyper kid like oh, no question if you know i'm hyper now yeah. <laughs> if you know me you know it's just it's energy all day until i crash that's it you sound a lot like my Briggs. We he's our we call him number three. I have four boys, and he's my number three boy. And he's constant, nonstop. And he is playing soccer right now because he gets to sprint literally the whole game. Yeah. And but he's been begging me to play football. He said, "Mom, I want to do a sport where I can get someone. I want to get someone. I want to." I want to go get him. And I'm like, okay. So I've been holding off. He, he'll he be in second grade next year. And I've been holding off, holding off a long time. But he's like, I oh, really no Yeah, I don't know if my kids will. I played, started playing football in second grade because my dad forged the forms and said I was in third grade because he was the coach. Oh, my goodness. So I, I was playing way too early. So I would recommend doing flag football until they're probably eighth grade even because it works yeah. lateral movement more. Yeah. Uh, but up to you. That's good. That's good advice. Well, and like, you know, the concussions and things like that, that oh, yeah, those, are, those are real too, for sure. Those are real for sure. But no, he, he does. He loves the feeling of like the rush of, of getting someone and being tackled and feeling someone tackle him and tackling someone else and that energy. He loves yeah. it so much. So football for you, you, you posted recently on Instagram 
and you have like a couple pictures. First one is a freshman. You said, I didn't sniff the field. I knew I was going to redshirt that year, freshman year. Um, And then for the next two seasons, you said my diet, my work, and my training went crazy. It was a relentless grind to match my work ethic, like you've been talking about, with the beliefs I had for myself, saying, no, I'm actually the 1%. I'm the underdog. You don't know me yet. And then senior year, you were a starter, fifth time, fifth all-time in receiving touchdowns in BYU history. Come on. That's amazing. And then you have a picture of you catching a touchdown in the NFL, which is Mm -hmm. so cool. So football, everything, everything. When you get into the NFL, tell me about your experience there versus your experience growing up and in college. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole different world there. Uh, I was living my dream job, so I, I definitely couldn't complain, right? When, when NFL teams, you go work out for them and, and they, they want you and the head coach is there and the general manager is there, you're like, wait a minute, I've been dreaming of this moment for a long time. And they, you know, you get done with the workout and the, the general manager calls you in his office and says, hey, we really like you. Let, let, we want to sign you on the team. There's, there's no better compliment than that right there. No, for sure. But that doesn't, at the end of the day, that doesn't mean much, right? Because that doesn't mean you're a starter. That doesn't mean you're on the field. It doesn't mean you're getting paid the big bucks yet. That's just one thing. That's just the beginning of the journey. But from that moment though, it's pretty stressful because every single day, every single day, it's a job interview. Yeah. A bad practice, unlike college, you can have your locker cleaned out. This is a true story. This is a crazy story. So I, uh, I played for the Minnesota Vikings um, and I know they really liked me because I had multiple conversations with the, with the general manager and, you know, where I was at compared to other receivers. And he said I was a top five type guy on the team, which is a great place to be, um, uh, you know, in the receiver group. And uh, they had a lot of injuries and there's only a 53 people that can fit on an NFL roster. So it's just very tightly squeezed. In my college, it's almost double that. You can yeah. just have almost a lot of people in the locker room. In NFL, it's 53 people. So if you have injuries at one position, you like let's say a, a defensive lineman gets injured that that could put my job as a receiver at jeopardy because you have to shift things around to make it just 53. So I remember we had a bunch of injuries when I was on the Minnesota Vikings. And this is a true story. I get a call from the, the, the general manager and he said, Hey, maybe somebody come up to my office. And that's typically not a good call no. when you're like, mm, I, I hope it's good things, yeah. um, but it's typically not. So I went up there and talk to him and he's like look I, we want you back here in a couple a couple weeks once this guy gets healthy but we have to let you go you can either stay here in minnesota you can go home um at the time my mom is really sick but um so i decided to go home for a couple of weeks expecting him to, to to call me back but from the time when i was in his office upstairs on the second floor from the time that he told me that and the time it took for me to walk downstairs which couldn't have been more than 30 seconds someone had already picked up the phone maybe his assistant or his assistant general manager had called the equipment guys to go clean out my locker because the next guy was coming in. No, I walked, this is, this is no joke. I walked downstairs and there are two people with two big garbage bags, just, just not garbaging my stuff, but cleaning my stuff out just to give me, you know, a couple of knapsacks over the shoulder to, to march out on. So I walked downstairs before I'd even see my locker being cleaned out the rest of the team is right there and they're like, Oh shoot. Like they're letting him go, you know? And all of the players and your, your teammates, your boys, you're, you're just finding this out. You, you show up to practice, ready to go. You get a quick call from the GM and all of a sudden you're going home and they have a plane ticket for you. Like it's, it really is that fast sometimes. 
Not all the experiences were like that, but it really was like that in that moment. So you develop sort of this calloused mindset of like, look, if I let other people's beliefs in me or circumstances dictate who I am for the rest of my life, I'll just be crushed. Yes. Plenty of people have told me no to coming and working with me before, but if that meant that our business wasn't successful, then we wouldn't have a successful business. If getting cut four times in the NFL meant that I wasn't a good football player, well, then I ever would have, I would have learned that when I was too young that I wasn't that good and I wouldn't have even, ever even made it there. So in my mind, my whole life, and this is advice. This isn't just what I did. This is advice for everyone is you've got to have a relentless belief in yourself because circumstances and other people will tell you how, how not good you are at whatever you're doing. You'll hear, oh, yeah. how, you'll hear how not good you are a lot more often than how great you are sometimes, but you have to have in your mind how, how, how good you really are. And I always use these lines in my mind. I made a post about this the other day. Uh, and I tell, you know, my sales reps, my people this all the time. I say, just tell yourself that you're a millionaire that, but they just haven't paid you yet. Yep. You know, tell yourself you're the best comedian of all time. They just haven't given you the stage yet. Tell yourself you're the best football player of all time. They just haven't given you the stadium yet. Right. It's okay to have that mindset um, and still be very humble about what you do. But you got a relentless belief in yourself to make it anywhere. I completely agree. And wouldn't you say, Mitch, that having that mindset is more important than being the most talented or being the best? Because you can be there. There are people that can be better football players, better entrepreneurs. But if they don't believe that they are and they're talking, they have the negative self talk in their head, they're not going to be as successful as someone that has the confidence and belief. Yeah, I played with a a lot of freak athletes freak athletes that were head cases that started as starters and ended up never playing again. Cause if they dropped a pass or missed an assignment or messed up, we'll call it, they, they were in the dumps mentally. And it's a, it's almost a phenomenon to me because I was the opposite. Yeah. It, was, it was growing up. I wasn't that freak quite yet. Um, but I, the only way I could make it was being, you know, mentally tough. It's almost like ugly duckling syndrome, you know, where like you're the prettiest person in high school and you develop a great personality and then you end up being a lot prettier later. I was almost the ugly duckling of sports where like growing up, I was that really skinny, scrawny kid. Luckily I ended up filling out and and becoming, you know, a a far better athlete. Um, I had to develop this mental strength and this personality uh, that allowed me to succeed before I'd actually grown into my body yet. And then when that actually happens, you know, my sophomore, junior, senior year, um, then it all kind of comes together, uh, you know, at once. But you say, luckily I grew into my body, but I think because of your mentality, your body responded to that. Like you probably ate different. You worked out different. You, you, because you believed it, your body responded to what your mind was doing. And maybe that's why you became stronger and taller. And because of all of your habits and, and how you were thinking mentally, don't you think? Yeah. You know what, you want to know something super, super embarrassing about me? is I talk to myself all the time. People, Do you? <laughs> people catch, people, no joke, people catch me, my wife catches me talking to myself all the time. And it's actually really embarrassing. Like I'll get out of the car talking to myself and someone will see me and I'll, I don't even know what I pretend to be doing, but I'm legit just talking to myself. And I've always, always had that. And I remember in, uh, in, uh, in high school, I just wanted to always be faster and stronger. Um, but I really, really wanted to be faster. Cause I know the position I was in at a receiver, you had to be super, super fast. Yes. And I told myself as I was coming to college, and this is like a, almost like a ritual. I'm not saying this as if I'm trying to impress anybody or I'm just saying this to make up some fake inspiration. 
this actually happened. I would tell myself all day long as I'm walking, as I'm eating, I'm the fastest guy on this team. 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 Well before I actually was. My senior year, um, we, we, it came down to, to, to me and this, this super, super fast athlete who's still playing football in the NFL today. He would argue this, but uh, I came down to be the fastest guy on our team my, my senior year. But I don't know if that I credit me telling myself or talking to myself that way, but I think it helps. For sure. I think it totally up. does. No, yeah. I think it totally does. So I, and, and I know you don't know who I am at all because and you were, you're a baby, but I, way back in the day, I was on a show called American Idol and I, there were 64,000 people that auditioned my season. They picked 12 and I'm this nobody from Bountiful, Utah. And same thing. My mom's like, you are amazing. You are going to make it. You are. And out of 64,000 people, the odds of me making the top 10, like that's not going to happen. But I told myself that, oh, they want me. They want me. They totally want me. And I always had like this absurd amount of confidence in myself growing up. Like I always thought, even though I wasn't the best, I thought I'm the best. People love it. People love my voice. They want to hear me, blah, blah, blah. So I did. So I ended up making it top six American Idol season two. But so, but what I did before that is I, I, I'm even crazier than you. Not only do I talk to myself, I like act things out. So when I was in high school and I had got cut from American Idol before they called me back to be on the wild card show. So I made it to the top 32, 64,000 people. I got cut and then they called me back. And before they called me back, I was in my bathroom and I imagined them calling me back. And I like acted out. How would I act if I got that phone call? What would I say? What would I do? And I pretended like acting as if like the secret, that crazy book. Right. And I did. And I was like jumping up and down and oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And thanks for calling me back. A week goes by and we got the phone call to come back and try I out. Love it. Woo! And it was so, I'm, I'm like, I just pretended this happened. Like I just acted this out. It was so crazy. And then my experience that time was totally different going into it. Like, okay, I believe in myself. However, if you've seen the show, it's all about criticizing. It's all about you. You're terrible. You're the worst. Why did we pick you when really you've made it past thousands of people to be in that? But I started to believe the negative. So I started to believe, yeah, I am terrible. I'm horrible. Why did I make it? And then I started seeing like a bad singer and I would perform like a bad performer. Mm. And it took me honestly, Mitch years. I'm 35 now. I was 17 when I was on the show. It took me like 10 years after the show to finally like singing again. I didn't sing for years after I went to Nashville, I recorded an album. I got signed to a record deal, which, oh my gosh, I can imagine that's the same. People are sitting in a room, they're watching you, they're eating their, how does she look? How does she sound? Do we like her? Can she sell? Is she sexy? Is she not? They're just picking you apart, every part of you. And I felt like I was always selling myself, selling myself. And it was so hard, so hard. I got the deal. And then a year later, I, I got married. I got pregnant. And the second I got pregnant, they dropped me. So as soon as I started having babies, they're like, we don't want you anymore. You're a mom. So 
Mm. Then I had to then switch my perspective again and, and then start doing it because I loved it genuinely that I loved singing and not for someone else, not to please someone else, not to sell myself. And that is when I found my true love of music and singing. And since then people have said, Oh my gosh, we love your voice. Oh my gosh, we love that I hadn't heard. And it was because I wasn't doing it for someone else. But now I'm not, I'm not making money off of it. You know what I mean? It's just genuinely because I love it. And I and, and all that story is I want to ask you, I can imagine you've been through similar things with football, being cut, mm-hmm. traded to teams, and now you have a different lifestyle. But you still have that like passion and love for the sport. You know what I mean? So yeah. How did you overcome that, uh, like, packing out your locker, get out of here, you're done, mentally, like, oh, my gosh, this, but this is my dream, this is what I love, and people criticizing you, to now be passionate and positive about what you do and do it because you genuinely love it and not because you're, like, trying to do something for someone else? Great question. Um, definitely a loaded question. I want to make sure I answer it well. Um We've talked about we've talked about it already some. I think my self self talk has never died. It'll always be there. And I had the same thing with my mom. She told me how amazing I was while I was an absolute scrub, right? She even said it. She saw something in me. So I think we all need to surround ourselves with people who see things in us. Yes. The potential in us before we even see it ourselves. Because we're so clouded mentally. Like all that's on my mind right now is what is this interaction? Yep. Someone was to just think about my life and look at my life. They might actually be able to see past where I can see. And you need those people to tell you those things. And for me, that was my mom. She told me how amazing I was from, 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 uh, since I was a little kid. And, uh, we all need people like that in in our corner for sure. So that's number one is surrounding yourself with people who, who encourage and, and you have to adopt that yourself. You have to adopt this, this mentality. It's okay to tell yourself how, how awesome you are, how cool you are in your own mind. Not You don't project that hours, but no. you, you tell people in your own mind, actually, you tell yourself in your own mind, not people, um, you know, how great you can be. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. That, that keyword yet means, you know, we're almost there. So I don't even know if I answered your question right there. Um, but what was the second half of your question? I want to make sure I answer the whole thing. No, I, I just want to know, like, so maybe let me rephrase it. When you're, when life doesn't pan out how you thought, like, I, like you maybe thought, I wanted to be an NFL football star for 15 years, yeah. and it didn't work out that way. How do you transition to something else that you're passionate about that you love and deal with the disappointment of a huge dream, like mine, being a country singer, maybe not working out, but really, truly now – I'm, I'm so happy with what I do and I, and, and I love where I am in life, even though like this, I'm going to be rich and famous and, and, and I was almost there. Like I tasted it. I lived it. I did the red carpets and the albums. I did all that, but it didn't, it wasn't like the 20 year career that I thought I would have. And now sure. I'm a mama and, and I do this and, and I write and I sing and, and I do things that I love on my terms. So how do you transition from, oh, this was going to be my life but my life is just as good now and I can make it amazing even if it wasn't how I originally thought it would turn out. Great question. So I want to tackle that. So if people put too much worth in what they do at some point, they'll become worthless. Oh, interesting. Why is that? Because 
football, it, it does not and cannot last forever. You're not going to play till you're 60 years old, right? right? It's going to end at some point. So if who you are is what you do, at some point you'll be completely miserable. I love that. If who you are is what you do, you'll be miserable. I love and, that. So, and, and yes, you can, and this is, I don't want to get caught up in the mincing of words here. Like, yes, football was everything I did. It was who I was at the time. Right. But if I put my self-worth and my value in just one thing, football, like running around on grass with like dehydrated pig skin, like that's the reality. It's a game. It's a flat out yeah. game. And so when that game ends and and I, I look back at my life and, and I say, well, who am I now? What do I have? I have nothing left. You have a totally miserable life. Right. So luckily for me, luckily for me, I always knew that when football was over, that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I definitely don't believe there's a plan A and a plan B. I definitely, I definitely believe it's plan A until, com until plan A is completely gassed out. Okay. And then you have a new plan A. That's what I okay. I'm, I'm an all in two feet in type guy. So it was just football at the time, Yep. but I knew football was going to end. So I'm able to premeditate. Okay. This is going to end sometime, whether it's two years in the NFL or 15 years, it doesn't matter. It's going to end at some point. And when it does end, I'm not going to be worthless. I'm not going to be worthless. And too many people, uh, sad to say it, but they, they, they do become that way because football is all they knew football is, it, it was their worth. And so when it's over, they have no clue what they're doing. Yeah. Well, football to me, since I knew it was going to end, uh, late twenties, thirties. Okay. That's half my life. What am I going to do the second half? Be worthless? No way. That's not in my personal ethos. It's not how I talk to myself. So I knew football was going to be an accelerator and a, a springboard and a, uh, just, it's going to launch me forward. And it did. So it launched me into entrepreneurship. So I always knew I was going to love entrepreneurship just as much as I was going to love football. And I think everyone has that in them to love multiple different fields and to go all in on singing. But if that didn't work out perfectly, you're, you can't become worthless. It, you're, right. Who you are and what you do are not the exact same thing. Even I love though, that. Even though it might feel like it, even though it might feel like, oh, it is me, it is me. But what happens when it ends? Because it will always, always, always end then you can't become worthless because you're not on, you're not on this earth to, to, to be, have one worth, which is football running around in, in tights, having people watch me <laughs> catch a football is not my worth. You know? right. And so I went all in on it. I became as best I possibly could have become it. It was my love. It was my passion, but it's going to end at some point. And I, I, I definitely don't, I definitely don't want to be worthless when that's over. And I, my wife can't afford me to be useless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my business can't either. So I'm going to use whatever I'm good at as an accelerator for the next thing. I love that. And, and, and life is, it's like a book. I, I love reading. Reading is my jam. Like I always have multiple books going at once. Love and it. And I love looking at life as like chapters, like that chapter was a, maybe it was five chapters of your life. But then there's an, always another chapter. There's another story. There's always something else. It's not that your book is over. It, your book isn't finished. Just that chapter is done. You still have so much of your book left. And you got a poster recently on Instagram. And I want to talk about that super fast. And it was your life in weeks. And mm. you're 20 freaking nine. So your baby. And you said, but look, you said, look at my look at how much of my life I've already lived. One third of my life. I'm trying yeah. to the picture that you have. 
Oh, so, I can show. Oh, I can show you the picture. Okay, show me the picture that you have of your poster. Facing me. So that's it right there. They send you these posters. Is it backwards? That is that for? Nope, nope. That's perfect. But look at that though. That's my life in weeks. That's how many the the black boxes are. How many weeks I've been alive? So I'm actually more like right here. I'm actually about to turn thirty. I was going to ask if you could fill in the boxes. You should be able to fill them in. You can, but you have to take off like the the glass okay. and then fill them in yourself, or just have them send you a new one. Okay. But that's my life in weeks, which is crazy because a third of it's already gone. Yes. And when you're down here, you want to be enjoying time with, with, with a loved one. So really to, to your impact is probably just right in here ish, but I want to see this every single day because I'm not afraid of, I'm not afraid of dying. It's going to happen. You and I are both going to die. And I just have a chance while I'm here on earth to do something about my chance. So that's why it's a daily reminder um, that, yeah, we're all going to die. Just make it count while you're here. Like, make it count. Make be it as count. cool as we want to be. Be as, be as epic as you want to be. Whatever you put your mind to, just, just go do it. And I think uh, rarely people believe in that. Rarely people believe that's the purpose of, of, uh, of life. Just, just do everything you want to do because it's, it's possible to accomplish that. It really is. Well, and that poster was super impactful when I saw that on your Instagram. Like, look at everything you've accomplished. Like, look at your little, like, it, it's, you look at your life so far and what you've done, but look how much more you have to live. Like, mm -hmm. you have so much. And even people that are in their 60s and 70s, you can look at, but look how many more weeks are left and what can we do with that time that we're giving? Spade, staring, staring at my soul right now. Yeah. So something that you've done to make an impact and to do good, Mitch, is you have this awesome text messaging system. Can you tell us a little bit about that where people can actually text you and you will text them back legitimately and give them motivational thoughts and, and inspiration and, and, and share stories with them? And how has that made an impact in the lives of the people that you've texted and in your life? Yeah. I, I mean, there's plenty of examples. If you go look at my Instagram story right now, someone like, and this is not valid. I, I would, I would push back against what they said, but they're like, you know, Mitch, thank you so much for helping me get into BYU. It was your motivational text that helped me get in. I'm like, that's bull crap. There's no way my motivation, like that's not, that did not happen. Like you got yourself into BYU, but I just think it's the constant reminders um, that I send out with this text platform um, that allow people to see more in themselves than before. Cause it always yeah. takes somebody else telling you how great you can be before you believe yourself. And so, um, and I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by highly motivated individuals. So I wanted to adopt that and be that for other people. So if you actually text me, the number is 971-204-8268. If you just text me, hey, what's up? Anything, just text anything. You'll be logged into our, our, my, my text community, my text family. And so I'll send out once every two days, maybe three days, a motivational text message, just a reminder about how great, you know, everyone is and, Awesome. It can become really anything, anything that's on my mind. I'll, I'll text it out. And uh, it just comes right to the phone like a text message. And if you want to, if you want to um, text me, ask me a question, I'll do my best to respond. And uh, it's a really cool, really, really cool community. So that's why my way of, of giving back as much as possible to the masses by a simple text message, because I've gotten text messages that have changed the course of, of my vision. And so hopefully I could be that for somebody else. Absolutely. I love it. And if you guys want to learn more about 
Mitch Matthews in your mindset and, and um, kind of some cool like physical challenges. Like you said, you're doing Ironman, you're doing all this crazy stuff. Your Instagram mm-hmm. is Mitch Matthews 10. Make sure you put that in Mitch Matthews 10 and your website is Mitch Matthews.com. Um, I'm so happy that you came on the podcast today and thanks so much for sharing all of your inspirational stories and um, the number one thing I took away is just positive self-talk. Like it really can change the whole course of your life is if you believe in yourself first. And now you're you're helping others learn how to do that for themselves and have that skill in their own life so they can do good things too. So thanks so much, Mitt. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. At Our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family. From full-leg talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.